I just thought, I've been given a death sentence. This is coming after me. I don't know how long I have, but I will die of colon cancer. Yeah. Forks over knives popped up. That's what stuck with me is yeah. animal protein when it's put on cancer cells that it, you know that it's able to turn it on and off. So what did we do? We literally went to the fridge and made salads. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. Family history does not have to be your destiny. But so many of us are fearful of what will happen if my mother, if my father had this disease, I will have it. That's what we think to ourselves. If my grandmother, my grandfather, my aunts, my uncles, if they had this disease, I will have it. If my brothers, if my sisters, if my cousins, they have the disease. I will have it. We feel like there is nothing that we can do. In fact, the only thing that we can do is just accept it. And we wait until our number is called and our time is up. Such was the case for Jill Erickson. She had resigned herself to the fact that colon cancer was going to strike her down, just as it had with other members of her family. Jill felt like she was a ticking time bomb. But I will tell you right now that her story has a happy ending. Because a lazy Sunday afternoon on the couch one in which she was just surfing through Netflix, it turned into an incredible health revelation and the realization that she could free herself of this immense burden that she had been carrying around. All she had to do was change her diet and lifestyle. And then genes would not have to be her destiny. But this is much more than just one woman's story. This is a love story, one that began many years earlier when she was still in college and met the man of her dreams, Joel. And you're going to hear from him today as well. Because Joel has quite the remarkable story himself, one in which he cheats death. Joel survives the Widowmaker heart attack, and then together... With this new outlook on life, he and Jill, they take their health to a new level. They really dive in and are doing everything possible in their power to stick around for each other, for their children, and their children's children. Because there is lots of living still to do. So let's hear from Jill and from Joel. Let's hear their love story, their devotion to each other. And now, 
also their dedication to helping others take that next step in their own health journey. This is what is called paying it forward. Cruising right along here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. And every so often on the show, we get to have on somebody who just oozes inspiration. And today is one of those days. I'm so excited to welcome to the program. She is a food for life instructor. She's also the founder of Rooted Green Wellness, and she's just one all around bad, bad mamma jamma. With that, we welcome <laughs> Jill Erickson to the show. Jill, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited, Chuck. And sitting right next to you is a man who you describe as your biggest success story in all of your classes. Oh, your yeah. husband, Joel. Joel, appreciate you taking the time to join mm-hmm. us as well. Thanks so much. So glad to be here, Chuck. Now, before we get to anything else, I need to ask, you know, I got my start in media producing a love song show. So how did you guys meet? Let's start with the love story. Well, we met both in college choir. We were, we were, we both sing. Yes. And we met here in the Twin Cities with the same college. And I'm a year older than him. So I went through my first year and then he came into my life. And Knock her off her feet. he kind of did. I mean, we, we fell in love selling um, napkins yeah, for, for a college choir fundraiser. <laughs> yeah. That's how every great romance starts, right? Yeah. Selling napkins. Oh man, that's the first. Okay. Fantastic. And and now here you are. Uh, so this is how many years together now? Uh, 28. 28, man. 28 and years. Yeah. Yeah. Man. 28 years, and, two, two grown daughters and two grandchildren. So, holy cow. Yeah. All right. Well, and yeah, so you have that. And then there's so much else that has transpired in these 28 years that I can't wait to speak with you about. And Jill, you are a food for life instructor. And I know that you have classes all the time, but as so often happens on this show, you know, talking with people who are now working with others and teaching and educating, it's a very personal journey for them. And for you, this has to do with your family and being scared about what may happen in your future. I understand that colon cancer just runs rampant in your family. Yes. Uh, when I was in college, my aunt um, was diagnosed at the age of 65 and it was a very, she was in end stage by the time they discovered what was going on too late for any kind of treatment or intervention. And she died within months of her diagnosis. And my mom is her younger sibling. Uh, But later on, my aunt's daughter, um, she was diagnosed with colon cancer and she is in remission. Uh, But my mom back in 2009 was diagnosed and she also has two. So my mom has, there's a total of five, five siblings. And so four of them have either had colon cancer, died of colon cancer, or had precancerous polyps removed on the regular. So uh, when my mom was diagnosed, she had a large tumor blocking the small intestine. They removed it. 
found it in, I believe, two of the lymph nodes. She underwent, they ended up removing a third of her colon, uh, reattached it, and she had nine months of chemo. And I watched, um, you know, I'm very close to my parent, my mom and my dad, and just walking alongside her through that and watching the toll, not only that the cancer, but the treatment has on her body. It, it was, it's unlike anything you can ever describe. And I know people go through it every day, but you really, you watch them walk up to death's door because that's what chemo does. Takes you to death, right on the verge of death. And then you crawl your way back with a lifetime of side effects, you know, um, do you remember that first day that she received that diagnosis? I mean, knowing that so many other members of your family had already been through it, you were just talking about your aunt. What was your initial reaction when she called and gave you that news? When my mom called me, I was standing in the Chicago airport. Um, and she called me and she had had a routine colonoscopy and they, the, the scope hit the tumor and they couldn't figure out, like they couldn't get all the way in. And so they t- they stopped the procedure and they brought her into a room and had her drink the 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 stuff for the CT because they had to do a CT scan and she just she was so sick from just from the the cleanse you know that you have to go through the before the colonoscopy and then drinking that stuff so she had gotten really sick in mm-hmm. the room trying to get ready for a CT scan and got the, through the CT scan and then she called me. And she just said, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but this isn't good. And that moment I remember, because, you know, I'm standing in the middle of a busy airport and everyone's lives are going on around me, the hustle and bustle, and everything just stopped. And you, you never know when you're going to lose your parents um, as an, you know, as their adult child. It just, that moment was, is this it? is this what it's going to be? I don't want it to be this. Um, And of course, there's just a lot of fear surrounding. When you hear cancer, you think chemo and all the horror stories that go along with that. So. Joel, what what do you remember? I I know, obviously, we're talking about Jill's mom, but being the husband and the son-in-law, I mean, that just for you, that must have been equally as frightening. Oh, it it was. I mean, we her parents really were my parents. I mean, they, we've always been close since the day I asked Jill to, you know, if I could marry her, they've, they've taken me in and embraced me as their own son. And so, yeah, it was the exact same thing for me. I, you just stood there and uh, I, I, it's almost like I blocked some of those memories out because I look at her now and she's, she's doing well, but back then it was, Oh my word, this, the reality of I have other friends that have gone through this. I've never gone through this before. I, I can't imagine losing someone. Let's talk about that that wave, that roller coaster that comes with, as you were saying, being on chemo. You get like right up there, as you described it, to death's door, and then you kind of crawl your way back to life. What was it like for you? I, I know you said that it was very hard to watch, but what was going through your mind at that time were you really Jill getting in touch with your own mortality oh yes Mm -hmm. uh I was I I was told right away by my mom's oncology team had told my mom tell your daughters to start early screening um and 
with the history, with the family history, which as a side note, I want to say the other part of the family history is my grandpa was a dairy farmer. So all of these kids grew up on a dairy farm um, and ate a very, you know, high in, high in fat, high dairy diet. Uh, so that's, you know, that's, that's a, you know, key point of when you're looking at, is this a genetic thing? Is it a, well, generational thing of we all grew up on this diet? Is it a combination of both? But at the time, I didn't have those connections. And so I just thought, I've been given a, a death sentence. This is coming after me. I don't know how long I have, but I will die. Of, I will die of colon cancer. And I said that to you. Yeah, I was like, times. I know what I'm dying of. Yeah. And how do I want it to go down? You know, will I be mm -hmm. able? I mean, and, and you do. I mean, I honestly, I when you watch someone that closely go through chemo, you really do question whether you would have it in you to make that decision to do it. Yeah. And we've had that conversation, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, where I've said, I don't think I, I don't think I could do it. You know, mm. so so just when, she, that, when she came to you and she says, I know how I'm going to die. I've just been handed a death sentence as a husband. What was your reaction there? Well, you know, it, it was, it was colon cancer and, and we really didn't know what to do other than, well, then we're going to start colonoscopies right away and, you know, we'll do them together. We'll, we'll go together and we'll just watch it and, and be mindful of that and, and do our best to be preventive, you know, and, and unfortunately we, at that point, that was what we knew to do. And, uh, but it was, you know, we, our girls were young at the time. And we, it was a heavy burden on us. It was, and it just it was one of those things that really, it was hopeless. We didn't feel hope, I guess, is what I'm coming at at that point. It was this doom that was impending that was going to come. And there was really nothing that we could do about it other than get, a, get screened early just in case. Right. So the connection there with food and diet wasn't really on your radars yet, huh? No. And what's ironic about that is, and yeah. <laughs> this is just a separate side story, but uh, we have, our oldest daughter has three autoimmune um, diseases that she's, that started in her adolescence and she's now got them, she's reversed them with, uh, by turning to a whole food plant-based diet. Her story in and of itself is amazing. But when she was an adolescent, she had this neuropathy happening in her lower extremities where she would have bouts of paralysis where she couldn't walk. And, um, so we had her, she, you know, the Mayo clinic exhausted, exhausted their resources. The university of Minnesota exhausted their resources. She was just a skinny pig for all of the, all of the clinics here. Uh, and at the end of the day, it was an autoimmune diagnosis that you couldn't do anything about, which was localized scleroderma. Um, and so that was a distraction, but I ended up finding a, an alternative sort of lifestyle medicine doctor, not whole food, not plant-based, but he had a completely different approach, which was dietary. And it did have a lot of supplements. It had, you know, different protein-based drinks that she needed to, but it was the first time that we really delved into can what she puts in her body make a difference to this? So there was a yeah. 
baseline happening where I was curious and I was doing everything this doctor told me to do to help my kid. I think any parent would really do anything that a doctor would would say to to help their child. I don't think that there's any question about that. Uh, Let's pivot back to your mom here. I know that you said that she's doing pretty well today. So walk us through the, the whole chemo process. I mean, she came out the other side. She came out the other side. Um, She's had scans every year and she's, she's cancer free. So she's doing good. Um, She's, she's uh, very active. She and my dad, you know, they spend their winters in Arizona, their summers in Duluth, Minnesota. Um, So yeah, she's, she's doing well. Um, They they don't, they don't eat vegan. (laughs) (laughs) Except when they visit our house. (laughs) (laughs) Then they, then they do. (laughs) Gotcha. Have you you tried to talk to her about the connection there? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, this gets, this gets into a different topic of food being a relationship and it's, it's really interesting. And I think there's a, a generational component here of feeling a loyalty to my grand, to her dad who worked so hard and made so little as a dairy farmer. And there's just this commitment to, to dairy after he's been long gone that I don't think he would ever, um, you know, put, put on, but I think that there's an, I love my mom and I am in no way, you know, um, but I, I think, I think that, you know, she has, when she talks about it, she just feels such a loyalty to the dairy, to the dairy industry because her dad's in it. Yeah. And, and you really, I think hit the nail on the head about that relationship with food. It's, it's not just the food, it's the memories that come with it. You know, you think about the dinners that you have with your family and such fond memories. Well, do you really remember everything that was served that night? No, but you remember the emotion of that night. You know, you remember those conversations. And so that's really kind of what food embodies. And I remember struggling with that when I was overweight and trying to lose weight, even, you know, though I was so hell bent on, on slimming down and staying on this healthier path. There were times when I was like, man, I miss my grandma. Like I really want her macaroni and cheese and her hot dogs and her baked beans and the potato chips, you know, absolutely nothing healthy, but that was just me missing grandma. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. And I, I think that it's so, it is life changing when an individual is able to make that connection of what the true attachment is really to. And it's not the food. I mean, it's a mask of what you think you're attached to, but if you really go deeper, the attachment is to grandma, right? Hmm. I mean, and that relationship. And those life experiences of sitting around the table, the stories, the family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's get back to you guys here. Let's um, talk about when you started to do more of a a dive into the nutritional component. You just mentioned that there was a doctor working with your daughter and that was the first time that your eyes opened just a little bit, but you did some more research and kind of came across some things that really opened that door wide for you. What happened? With, With our daughter? I'm sorry. No, with, with you in general, uh, that, that really kind of made you make yes. that connection of diet and disease. So uh, it was 
the summer of 2012 and I was surfing on a Sunday afternoon through Netflix, you know, just ready to veg out with some snacks and just watch something. And I saw the doc, I love documentaries, Forks Over Knives popped up and I asked Joel, you want to watch this? We watched it and I was honed in on Dr. T. Colin Campbell. I was honed in on his research with the China study and of course the storylines within the documentary and the science and you, you, the ability to turn cancer on and off. That was the, what you yeah. just were like, Oh my God. Yep. That's what stuck with me is, <laughs> yeah. is animal protein. And when it's put on, on cancer cells that, it, you know, that it's able to turn it on and off, you know, that whole, that whole yeah. study was just, <sighs> and we got done and I, and, you know, with this whole colon cancer thing just weighing heavily on me as a ticking time bomb, I just said, would you, I turned to Joel, would you do this with me for a month? And he goes, I'd love to. So what did we do? We literally went to the fridge and made salads. Because you don't know what else. <laughs> you know, well, we're going to make a salad. And a yeah. veggie sandwich. Let's do veggie sandwiches again. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Getting started can be rough, man. That menu is very, very small. It is. I mean, that's all, That's really all we ate. I mean, I remember doing trips to Subway, doing veggie subs. You know, can we, you know, the kids are like, can we go out? I'm like, we're going to Subway for veggie subs. Um, didn't know what to do, but we did our best. We yeah. just kind of, yeah. and we didn't have any recipe books or any podcasts or we just were on our own but we yeah. did it yeah. and we felt better I felt better I noticed right away I've always struggled with constipation that was gone um my digestion I've had um laryngophagal um acid reflux um for I had it's gone now but you know just heartburn all of the time that was gone and so I just said, this is, I feel better. Let's stick to it. So after a month, we decided we would do our best to stick to it. But listen, if the family invites us to Christmas dinner, we're not going to be, you know, don't yeah. make noise. Just eat what's there. I don't want to stand out. And I'm the youngest in the family. And um, I'm, I definitely have some of those baby of the family traits where I like a lot of attention, but I don't like negative attention. <laughs> um, so I just didn't, I didn't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers just yet. Um, so, and then we just really didn't know what we were yeah. doing. So it was like, well, French fries are vegan, right? right? So yeah. tater tots. Let's yes. get that. And sometimes, you know, maybe we'll get some mayo and some ketchup and mix those up and dip that in as kind of vegan. I mean, we just didn't. Pretty soon, I, you know, yeah. we were, you know, what I like to call five day vegans, where if we were home, everything we were cooking was vegan. But if we were invited to someone's home or we went on vacation or we were out to eat, we slipped off the wagon on the regular. And at home, we were junk food vegans. You know, we had. The spread. Lots and, of oil, you know, lots of the, you know. Was it vegan? Yeah, but not. <laughs> you know, where you're excited. Oreos are vegan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. The accidentally <laughs> vegan foods. Yeah. 
It's it's so funny. There, you know, I say that there's vegan and then there's next level vegan, and it's so funny. You know, the people they get in there and it's fantastic, and I will never begrudge anybody for going there. But you were just talking about being there. I was there. I think the majority of people who eventually get to next level vegan have been here as well. But you know, when you realize that there is that next level, it is like you just talked about mind exploding. It's kind of that same thing. Like, oh my god, there's so much more to it. Right. Yeah. Right. So all the while, all of this is going on, and Joel, you're feeling pretty good, but then suddenly in 2016, you had your own major health scare. What happened? Yeah, so at the age of 46, um, I remember waking up, and one morning my arm was kind of tingly, and uh, didn't think anything of it, of course, and went throughout the day, and it was still kind of tingly and on and off. The next day I woke up and it was really sore, but I figured I slept on it wrong. And throughout the day, it just kept getting worse and worse. Uh, fast forward to uh, about midnight, we drove, our, drove into the emergency room at our local hospital here. I had the worst pain. I mean, it was, it was your typical pain. I had the chest pain in my shoulder blades all the way down my arms. And turns out I had a 100% blockage in the LID, which they call a Widowmaker. And um, I remember uh, getting the EKG, and I was about to sit up, and, and the, the guy said to me, hey, buddy, why don't you just wait a second? And uh, about 30 seconds later, he came back with Jill in a wheelchair, and he, he said, uh, it's going to feel like you're going to be sitting in, the, 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 in a NASCAR race, but just just – take care. We, we got you. And we walked down this hallway and all of a sudden the door opened up. And there was about seven clinicians with a bed in the middle. And that's where they put me. And, uh, it was, it was really scary. I, 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 you know, they came up and we were asking questions about family history and, and there's no one in my family that has heart disease. Um, I was a runner. Um, I, you know, was eating vegan, right. Um, most of the time. Um, but I kept thinking, I'm 46, we have two kids, I, um, we just had a, a granddaughter born, and uh, it was probably uh, the scariest time of my life, sitting in that room. And then uh, my younger daughter pulled in about 30 minutes later, and I just lost it. I mean, the reality of, of what was happening. Uh, and I, I still remember... Um, they came in and they said, well, Joel, you, you are having a heart attack. The, uh, we've got you under control. Just, this, there was a male nurse that was just awesome. And he just said, if I look scared, you should be scared. But, you know, focus on me. And, and uh, he said, the, the cardiologists are out trying to figure out what the next thing is that we're going to do for you. So we'll let you know as soon as we, as soon as we know. So yeah. fast forward, I ended up having one stent, fortunately, just one stent. Um, but yeah, that was uh, November 11th, 2016 is the day that I'll, I'll never forget. We call it his resurrection day. <laughs> Joel 2.0, everybody. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, Jill, I, I, I was watching you as Joel was talking and he, you know, he's saying this and you have this emotion on your face as if like you just flashed right back to that night. And then having just gone through everything with your mom, what was going through your mind at the time? It's a great question. And I, 
I am very much a delay. I've always called myself a, a delayed processor where the way I should be reacting in, in the moment isn't the way, you know, is I, I don't, I just sort of roll with the punches of what's going on and then delayed. I'm, I completely fall apart, you know? So, um, when they, when they brought me back, the, the, the nurse that the male nurse that Joel's talking about, that was so great. He walked me back and he said, um, you're what you're about to see is going to be really scary. Your husband's having a massive heart attack, but he's going to be, we've got him. We know what we're doing and he's going to need you. And I said, okay, you know, and so it was, it was like a NASCAR race, you know, I mean, we, they get him in there, they put him on the table, they rip all his clothes off and they sit me in a chair and they put a bottle of water in my lap. And then they start throwing his clothes on me and I'm just sitting there in the chair and I'm watching all of this. And then, um, they asked if I want, should call someone to be with me. So I called our younger daughter and she came. Well, fast forward to when they went to bring him to surgery. Uh, they brought us to a, a, family, a private family waiting area. And my son-in-law came and then my younger daughter and we're sitting there. And um, I just... I sat there and made a plan for what I was going to do when they came back to tell me he was gone. And I think that was just, you know, that was just my, I was trying to just survive. So I was just like, I'm, I need to pack a bag. I'm going to move in with Kelsey and Brandon, you know, and I was just like going into a self survival mode. Um, so that was really weird. You know, like I didn't even, I didn't really recognize that that's what I was doing at the time. And then, um, (laughs) both my son-in-law and my youngest daughter are pastors. So they're praying, you know, we're in the waiting room and they're just, they're just praying up a storm. And I'm, (laughs) I'm just sort of making up, I'm making a plan for myself. So it was just a really odd thing. But when the doctor, it was a couple hours. And when that doctor came in and said, your husband's okay. Then I just, all of the plans went away. I just wept. I just wept and wept and wept. The release came of what I had just, the trauma that we had just been through. And they brought me to him and he was in a room and we just sat there all night. We couldn't sleep because by this time it's one, two in the morning and we stayed up the whole night and I just sat, he was laid flat because of the catheter in, you know, and we just sat there and held hands and just were awake all night, just going over the story, over the story, over the story, over the story. It was just... I think I, I've been one that, you know, I can always, I can stay up late and finish that work assignment. I can go run some extra miles. I can, you know, really run myself as far out as possible, but still make it. And I, for the, I mean, it sounds kind of cheesy, but for the first time I sat there and realized oh, I can't do all that. I, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are natural starts and stops in life. And, and I almost had one. Mm-hmm. And and then to realize, um, I mean, we sat there and just, you know, not that I take advantage of Jill or my family, but it was that moment when, uh, wow, I, 
this is all that really matters. This is all that really matters. And, and the kids and the grandkids are coming in and out the next couple of days and close friends. And I'm just bawling my eyes out. Every, I see somebody, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm okay. But, but the emotion was so, was so strong. And, and, um, and it, at that moment, you know, looking back, that was the moment that for me, it was like, something's got to change. And I, and at that point we didn't know what it was. Right. But, but, um, I never wanted to myself go through something like this, let alone uh, I never wanted my family to have to go through something like this. I would imagine, you know, it's almost more difficult for the family members uh, during this time. You know, the patient, my father once explained it to me, he's like, the patient has the easy job. They just have to, you know, go through it and follow, you know, procedures and this and that. But the family is really the ones who have to do all of the worrying and the care. And, um, that's not easy. And so I think then for the patient that then knowing, knowing what's going on with the family can be, you know, burdensome. And so it's, it's just not easy for anyone, but let's talk about when you guys circled back to take another look at what it was you were eating. So five day vegan tater tots, French fries, a little bit of mayonnaise and ketchup. You know, so when, when did you say, well, now, wait a minute, if we take this from five day vegan to seven day vegan, and we cut out all of that stuff, maybe then we can get on a really healthy path. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, the first time around, the big thing that a lot of people are hearing is cut animal products. So that's all you take in is cut out those things, but you don't really think about then make sure everything you are putting in is beneficial and health promoting and nutritious. Like every single time I put something in my mouth, it's going to make me healthier was not something we caught the first time. So um, six weeks after Joel's heart attack was new year's Eve. And we always watch a movie on new year's Eve and ring in the new year. Very boring people. We are. (laughs) (laughs) And, Joel said, can we watch Forks Over Knives again? And um, so we did. And we saw it with brand new eyes, you know. And not to say, not to um, lessen the impact of my my mom's cancer on me, but this was even more intimate. Like this was now not just me, but it was him and it was our legacy and it was our marriage. It was our time. What do we have left? And, and, uh, it was, it was his story. It was your story. The stories within Forks Over Knives was Joel's story. And, and we just, it was just a lightning rod moment. It was like, that's it. We, we are done. And we heard new things. We heard the no oil, you know, added oils. We, we, we heard rainbow of foods. Like we just heard different things than we did the first time around. It was just like no chicken, no meat, no yeah. cheese, yeah. no, you know. So, um, and we talk about, it's not about eliminating five things. It's like opening up to 10,000 things, you know? And, and I, I do want to interject this, that, um, right before we had that moment, you know, Joel had been told to, to follow, but, you know, they said, try to follow a Mediterranean diet. And so we were sort of immersed in that and they sent him to cardio rehab. He needed to do 12 weeks of cardio rehab. 
I drove him to the first appointment, and this is where Food for Life kind of comes into play for me, which was down the road for me, unbeknownst to me at the time. But I drive him to cardio rehab. I walk, we walk into the facility. They tell me I can sit in the front and here's some, you know, cat, you know, magazines you can look at while you wait for him. So I'm sitting there and I see these recipe cards on the front desk because it was Thanksgiving coming and it was how to have a heart healthy Thanksgiving and I do all the cooking in our house and Chuck I was terrified to cook for him after his heart attack you know I was just like I don't want to kill him I don't you know what you know so I went up to the front desk and I'm looking at how to make a heart healthy turkey, how to make heart healthy stuffing, how to make heart healthy side dishes. And there are all these recipes and I took them and I sat down in the chair and I started to cry because it's what I've been making. I've been making this for 28 years. Like there's nothing. These are my recipes. So I've been making heart healthy food. Yeah. No. You know, so that was forks over knives again, like dropped, you know, weeks later, dropped a month later, drops in the slot for us. And I think, you know, this is where as as we work with with people through Food for Life or people that that I just mentored through this is that I look back, it might sound strange, but really the heart attack was the best thing that ever, Mm -hmm. ever happened to me. I mean, honestly, where my life is now compared to where it was in many, many ways. But that was the moment for me that there ain't no going back, you know? And I think, you know, so, so it is so hard uh, to have that motivation to continue. I mean, I've never in four years now have had any, well, I really want to have a cheese pizza. No, no. I, you know, one, I, I love the food we're eating, but I never want to go back. I never, ever want to go back to where I was. And so, you know, that there was a, a, a milestone stake that was put in the ground on that day. Um, so December 31st, 2016, we started and we realized, you know what, we, we need to have a cookbook. So we got, we ordered the Forks Over Knives cookbook. So we figured we're going to learn how to cook this time. More than Subway just, now. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye, Subway. Goodbye, Subway. <laughs> Goodbye, Tater Tots. And built our grocery list around that cookbook. It was yeah. the only cookbook we bought. You know, again, felt like we didn't know what we were doing. So I just worked my way through the cookbook. And then I would put a heart on the page if we liked it. And <laughs> if we didn't like it, I'd put an X, like, don't, don't make that again. And, you know, and it was so fun. Yeah. And pretty soon, he's dropping weight. I'm dropping. I didn't have as much. I had, I was carrying around like 15 to yeah. 20 pounds. But Joel had about yeah. 50 pounds on him. Yeah. And so, of course, friends and family are asking us, what are you doing? What's going on? So we started having people over saying, well, we'll show you how to cook this way. And um, that's what led us, you know, long-term toward yeah. the physician's committee. I just love physician's committee. Yeah. Uh, they have made our lives so much richer. And every day when I go on my four and a half mile walk, I listen to this podcast. It's my, I always say it's my continued ad hour. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Get you some CME credits. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh man. That's, that's so great. And you know, we, we'd love you too. I mean, your story is just fantastic and you know we're so excited that you're you're part of the family now because really you go from new year's eve 2016 you make all of these changes you hit that next level vegan when then did you decide to really 
go all in on this and do rooted green wellness? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'm an, I'm an educator by trade. So I was a classroom teacher, elementary education for 20 years. Uh, so it is my natural tendency to, to want to educate, you know, I have that education, uh, blood running through my, my veins. So we first took the, um, earned, uh, earned our plant-based nutrition education certificates through eCornell with the, um, through um, T. Colin Campbell. Mm -hmm. So we did that. And then uh, Joel, (laughs) we we went to Italy and Joel met Dr. Barnard. Yeah, so I had an opportunity for for a medical conference over at the Vatican. And uh, it was, it's, the conference is on stem cell research, uh, but they were were doing a piece on food. And so uh, I had, you know, we had known about PCRM, and, and so I had just reached out to Dr. Murdar and said, hey, I'm with, I was working for an insurance company at the time, and said, hey, I'm going to be over there with our chief medical officer, and then can we talk about a couple things? And we sat down at the Vatican. I mean, that's what people do, right? Uh, you sit down yeah, that's how most people meet Dr. Barnard. That's how most people the Vatican, meet Dr. Yeah. Barnard is over at, hey, you know, <laughs> it breaks the Vatican, let's just talk. So, but we had this, we had a great opportunity to talk and hear my story and learn about what he was doing. But then um, through that, we started to hear more about, I heard about Food for Life and I brought that back to Jill. And I was like, you know, I, I think that there's something on here. I also was brought it back to my company thinking, hey, we should really look at maybe doing something like this. But uh, for Jill, she started getting online and reading about it and it just resonated with her because, you know, I had the story that people were, were coming in and asking us so many questions and, you know, we didn't have to prove anything. I mean, they were, our life was, was, was resulting in fruit of change and, um, and, and I think there's a discover. You know, for me, there was a discovery of what I I was working full time yeah. for a non a local nonprofit organization at this point um, as their development director, and and then I was starting to do this. So I came to the Food for Life training, got my you know got all set up for it, came home, and it just came to a point where uh, I just I just really identified with when I'm at my best is when I'm teaching these classes, like when I'm working with people and I'm going and taking them through the grocery store and, and cooking with them. Like this is, this is, this makes me tick this, Mm -hmm. this, I have to choose. It's time to choose. So Rudy green wellness came to be. All right. And I know that uh, with the food for life series, you're teaching all kinds of classes. I mean, talk to us uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, where do they find you? What are the classes that, that you're teaching right now? Awesome. Well, besides being on Facebook and Instagram at Rooted Green, uh, we have a website, rootedgreenwellness.com. So if you go out to that website, the very first banner that's on the page is current classes. And you can uh, click that button and it'll take you out to what we have going on right now. It is. I always encourage people to look every week because that's how often I'm adding classes to the schedule. So we have, uh, right now we're in the middle of going through, uh, the newest book by Dr. Barnard, your body in balance. So we're about halfway through. There's nine different class offerings that are centered from that book. I have four more left. They're on Monday nights. So they're standalones. Uh, they're priced really well. And so you can just pick one that interests you and it's all dealing with, 
the science of food, hormones, and health. So everything from tackling menopause to erectile dysfunction to healthy thyroid, these are classes that we're offering. And then I have some other standalones right now coming up the next three Thursdays, which you can find out there too. So that's outstanding. And a uh, matter of fact, the show will be dropping on a Thursday, which means that class would be tonight. So uh, head over to the website. <laughs> We're going to include the, uh, the links to the registration page right in the episode notes. So all you guys need to do if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just, just scroll right on down on your phone, on your phone rather, and hit that uh, link and, and be off and, and running and, and get linked up. I can't think of anyone who would be more well-suited to be a food for life instructor than you. And clearly, as you said, you already, you know, live with the most incredible, inspiring success story ever, you know, living, breathing proof that you know what it is that you're doing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And she's yep. good at it. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. So all good things happen in the kitchen. I'm telling you, even if you don't <laughs> like the kitchen. <laughs> and that's that's I think you know what's so great about this program is you, it's not culinary arts yeah. it's it's really to fall in love with cooking too I think so yeah well, and I see it that when and when I participate in the classes with her when people like oh I'm not a big fan of kale but then they make this salad and they're like oh my word mm -hmm. that is amazing and I, that's, I think that the part of food for life that is, that is great is that people can see that it's super easy yep. to make this food and it's amazingly good. Mm -hmm. And they realize, wow, yeah. I guess, I guess it isn't so I, I could eat this way. <laughs> so. Yeah. To, to coin a famous song, that magic moment, you know, when yeah, you realize. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so. All right, Jill and Joel Erickson, you guys are just tremendous. What a, what a heck of a story you each have. And I'm so glad that you were able to take the time to join us today. This has just been a real privilege for us. It's well, been an honor to be here. Thank you for inviting us. We just, again, we appreciate so much what you are doing, Chuck, through this podcast and Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. I, we're so thankful. It's life-saving, life-saving information. If you scroll on down in the episode notes, you can find a link to Jill's website where you can register for her classes, or you can just pop over to rootedgreenwellness.com. A quick word on colon cancer. This disease does not discriminate between men and women. Some stats. One in 23 men will be diagnosed with colon cancer in their lifetime. For women, the rate is one out of every 25. And if you group everyone together, it becomes the second leading cause of cancer-related death in the U.S. In fact, more than 53,000 people are expected to die from it this year. But there's some good news. There is some good news. The death rate for colon cancer has been dropping for several decades. And that's thanks to increased screenings and better technology, better treatments, and just finding the cancer earlier. As of today, there are more than 1 million colon cancer survivors nationwide. However... Cases among younger adults, we're talking about people under the age of 55, those cases 
have been climbing steadily, up 2% every year from 2007 until 2016. So now you may be asking yourself, well, how preventable is colon cancer? Well, I spoke with gastroenterologist Dr. Angie Sadeghi earlier this year, and she told me that only 5 to 10% of cases have a genetic component. The other 90%? She said it's possible that they are completely preventable because the risk factors can, in fact, be mitigated. She also said that colon cancer can almost become obsolete if we change the way that we eat. The key's there. That's loading up on plant-based foods, loading up on fiber. You throw out the processed food. You say goodbye to processed meat. You bid adieu to dairy and you get moving. You get up off the couch. You move your feet. So you want to talk about little changes going a long way? Specific to food, check out these stats. Just one hot dog or eating a few strips of bacon every day increases your risk of cancer by 18%. But if you eat just three servings of whole grains every day, you can reduce your risk of colon cancer by roughly the same amount. So you take out the processed meat, you insert the whole grains, talk about a big shift there, a big, big shift. Now, we have put a link to Dr. Sadegi's blog where she outlines six steps to fight colon cancer. That link can be found in the episode notes, as well as a link to all of the Physicians Committee's wonderful colorectal cancer resources. So much good information is up there. Remember, we don't just inherit our parents' genetics. We inherit their lifestyle, their recipes. Much of my family is overweight. And I was 420 pounds at one time. I thought that that was just the way that it was going to be. The fact that I was overweight didn't have anything to do with the enormous amount of high-fat foods and a fast food that I was eating every day. No, no, no. But when I broke away from those habits and I changed my lifestyle, changed how I ate, made a few other steps... I lost 280 pounds. And I've kept it off because that change came more than a decade ago now. Family history is not your destiny, my friend. Moving on. I wanted to share a clip from the exam room live with you. A viewer wrote in, Someone who had just gone plant-based, but was swearing by this one particular food for gut health. Just so happens that this food was not plant-based. She wanted to know, was this food the only food in the entire world that had these health benefits? And to get the answer, we turned to Dr. Neil Barnard. Let's open up the doctor's mailbag here and answer one of your questions. And Dr. Barnard, today's is absolutely fascinating. We've chosen one from Sonia, who wrote to us on Facebook. 
I used to hear so much about the benefits of bone broth for gut health. However, I'm going plant-based now. So how can I heal my gut? Are there benefits to still drinking bone broth that I can't find anywhere else? Great question. Th thank you for raising that. Um, you, you Just so that everybody's on the same page, in your digestive tract, you have bacteria. Um, that's normal. That's good. Bacteria help you in a great many ways, uh, and they work with you in a cooperative relationship, so to speak. However, um, there are many different species of bacteria, some of which are healthful for you and some of which are not. Um, what really determines the healthfulness of the bacteria, uh, really, it's the high fiber foods. Fiber means plant roughage. But when you swallow your whole grain bread or your beans or vegetables, the, the fiber part isn't digested early on. It's not digested in the stomach. It's not digested in the small intestine. So when it finally arrives at the large intestine, the colon, that's where the bacteria say, breakfast has arrived. And so they can, they can be nourished by the fiber that has arrived there. So let's say your diet is Spam and Velveeta. Um, these are not plants, so they don't have fiber. And so unhealthful bacteria tend to grow. Um, when you have a, a plant-based diet, you tend to do well. But a, a couple things are important. One is, number one, to have plants. Number two, to have variety. So vegetables have one effect. Fruits have a separate effect. So having vegetables and fruits is better than having just a big serving of vegetables. Beans and the other legumes like lentils have their effect and whole grains have theirs. So you want to get them all. You don't need yogurt uh, because that just introduces tiny traces of new bacteria that they shoveled into the yogurt at the, at the uh, factory. But um, your natural bacteria will propagate on themselves on their own without adding uh bacteria at all. So what about bone broth? Bone broth is one of these uh, products, I'm sorry to say, where the marketing has gotten way ahead of the science on it. There is no need, whatever, for bone broth for a healthy gut. Um, you are better off without it. And what your healthy gut needs is the high fiber foods, especially those four groups. That was from The Exam Room Live. It's a new-ish kind of a show. We've been doing that for a little over a month now. Would love to have you join us Monday through Friday, every weekday at noon Eastern over on the Physicians Committee's Facebook page and their YouTube channel. You can find a link to both in the episode notes. Would love to have you join us. We've got new health headlines every day. We've got the latest studies. Dr. Barnard and I break down the latest research and... We speak to people in the community making a real difference for health. We're talking about champions of change, like Dr. Sadegi, like Joel and Jill Erickson, like the fiber queen, Lee Crosby. I call it the healthiest half hour-ish anywhere on the internet today. And if you would like to make the world a healthier place right now, well, you can subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast, this very show that you're listening to, the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. And help us get this inspiration and information into the ears of those who need it the most. Let's try to save a life together. Here's how it works. Head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever shows are available, and leave a five-star rating for the exam room. And also, hit that subscribe button. 
because with every new subscription and every new five-star rating, we climb a little bit higher in the podcast rankings. And the higher we climb, the more promotion this show gets. And the more promotion the show gets, the easier it becomes for people to find it and access all of this potentially life-saving information. So go ahead and leave those five stars and hit that subscribe button and do your part to make the world a healthier place. A final thought with regard to colon cancer. The 53,000 of us who won't be so lucky to survive this year, those are our family and our loved ones. So let's all try to get healthy and to grow old together. Pass this information on. Share the show with your friends, with your loved ones. And a pro tip, if they like hot dogs, make them a carrot dog. Now, don't tell them what it is at first. No, 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 no. That might scare off the newbies, right? So pump the brakes on that up front. But you make them the carrot dog, you let them taste it, you let them enjoy it, and then you spill the proverbial beans. Then you're like, hey, you, you just ate a carrot. And then you tell them why that's important. So you blow their mind with flavor, and then you blow their mind with information. I did that recently with some tempeh sloppy joes and my father-in-law. Did that matter of fact over this past weekend. And he went back for seconds. And then the next night with leftovers, two more helpings. Now, this is a guy who was in the service and then worked in the naval shipyard for his entire life. This is a man's man. The kind of guy who grew up eating manwich. You remember manwich? He grew up eating it. And then there he is going to town on some tempeh sloppy joes. And his response was kind of like the old life cereal commercials, right? You know, Mikey likes it. Only his name is Charlie, but really that's irrelevant. The bottom line here is that if it tastes good, it tastes good. And these tasted good, and that's all that mattered to Charlie. And so when you're thinking about the macho people in your life, the man's man or the woman's woman, whatever the case may be, think about Charlie. Think about the tempeh sloppy joes. Think about the carrot dogs. Think about all the good that we can do in this world. But for right now, that's going to wrap things up. My thanks again to Jill and Joel Erickson for sharing their amazing story with us. And to Dr. Neil Barnard for his time as well. For everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe, take a stand, and keep it plant-based.